Welcome. I'm Dr. Liz, an entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, mom, and wife. This podcast is about hypnosis, but also about all kinds of ways to help you live your fullest life, to heal, transform, to play the long game and go after the joy. You can see more about me at drlizhypnosis.com. Hop over there to get a free hypnosis file to decrease fear and anxiety or one to increase emotional stability. They're there just for you. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I do. Peace. Hey everyone, Dr. Liz here. I am back from about a month break of the podcast. So it's September 2023 and August was full of changes. My oldest daughter graduated with a bachelor's degree in art history from Florida State University, moved and got a job and is working and all good stuff for being a self-supporting adult. My youngest started her senior year of high school. So lots of big transitions in August this year. And it felt really good just to take some time off from the podcast and the newsletter and just focus on the two of them for a little bit. I still worked in my private practice, which takes um, a certain number of hours a week, but the podcast and the newsletter definitely take up a lot of time outside of that. So it felt nice just to give myself a little break there. Some time, not just uh, physically, but emotionally as well, to experience all these transitions going on in my own family. So let's jump into this interview with Carrie Hummingbird. This is the second time she's been on the podcast. The other time was in 2021, where she talked about healing the mother wound. And that link is in the show notes in case you want to go listen to that one. Before we jump into this one, I do want to let you know that we do talk about suicide in this interview a couple of times. Just be aware of that. If this isn't the day for you to have that come up, then perhaps choose another episode and either wait till it's a better time or maybe just skip this one. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe this one isn't for you. For everyone else, I hope you enjoy the interview and get some good insights for your own life. Peace. Hi, Carrie. Welcome back to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Oh, I'm so grateful to be back here and to share more messages of goodness and have a nice conversation with you today. I am so happy you're here too. I really am. I really enjoyed our first interview and that one for the listeners will be in the show notes. And um, I'm looking forward to this one just as much. So let me tell the audience a little bit about you first. Carrie Hummingbird is a medicine woman, mother and mentor. She's the founder of the Inner Medicine Training and Mystery School that shares potent ancient traditions from the Andes and Himalayas for owning your wisdom and living your purpose. She is the number one international bestselling author of The Second Wave, Transcending Your Human Drama, and Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound, and the host of The Soul Nectar Show. So Carrie started her podcast around the same time that I did, actually. So we're on similar podcasting journeys, I would say spiritual as well in different ways. But absolutely, we have some parallels in our lives that are... um, pretty amazing, actually. So she inspires people to lead their lives wide awake with an authenticity, passion, and purpose that positively impacts others. And her newest book is out. It is Inner Medicine, Becoming One. Oh, what's the whole title, Gary? Becoming (laughs) One with Mother Earth for the Survival of Humanity. Okay, Inner Medicine, Becoming One with Mother Earth for the Survival of Humanity. And I just read the whole thing. It's a long book, but I loved it. I really did. I loved how it's organized, but I'm going to have her talk about it as well as the messages that I think both of us are communicating these days. So let's jump in. Carrie, how about you tell us about this new book that you've published yeah, absolutely. Well, as most of, most of my books go, I get the the download. Oh, you're writing a new book. <laughs> like, uh-huh. This one took a little fits and starts to come in because I had some other books that I thought I was writing and I started writing them and then I just lost energy on it. 
maybe that was just to keep me busy, you know, <laughs> until mm-hmm. this one. And then it was like, oh, I'm writing the book. Like I'm writing yeah. the book that's going to be my medicine. I'm going to, I'm going to share this with people. Like this is my curriculum. Oh, okay. That's kind of a big deal. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, without trying to get myself all twisted up and knots over it, trying to make it perfect. Um, you know, I just said, okay, this is, this is going to be my teaching book. All right. So, you know, for the last, I would say 12 years, I always have to keep checking the time. It might be 13. I don't know. 12 years. (laughs) How long has it been since I entered this pathway? And I've been learning about the four directions. I've been learning about the planet and Mm -hmm. her emissaries of support to help us get oriented in a loving, compassionate direction on the planet Mm -hmm. in our lives. And I've been learning about earth wisdom. And um, so this book is really my expression and um, sharing of what I've learned over the last 12 years in a format that allows people to take a medicine journey. So Mm -hmm. a view I've never... I really did like the format that is organized in the four directions. And then it has, it just has information specific to those, not just about your journey, but about the ways that you yourself can work with it as a reader. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the first thing we do, right, Liz? Like right in the first part of the book is, okay, this is a medicine journey. If you've never had a plant medicine ceremony um, this is the same thing, but without the plant. This is a mm-hmm. medicine journey, right? It's the spirit of the plants are helping you. The spirit of the apus, the sacred mountains, the spirit of everything is off, is helping you. And you can set that sacred intention at the beginning of the book and then step through the book with that intention. It actually starts to work you in your life and you'll start to see like synchronicity open up or realizations open up or, oh, wow, that's what that's about. And that's because all the guides of the medicine are supporting you and and having that realization. So I'm really, I'm pleased with that because that means I can help a lot of people all at once without you know, I can only take like 15 students at a time in a class because that's my capacity mm-hmm. as um, as a human design type. I'm like only geared for small groups. Mm-hmm. But in this way, I can help a lot of people because the medicine journey is the book. And True. Yeah, so it's exciting for me to be in that space and to see it work too. It's like, woohoo, yes. realizations happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, if I remember correctly, you had a lot of sales even before it published. I did. I, I mean, I got to number one before it even went published. That like, was it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I totally believe it too. <laughs> like after yeah. I read it. Yeah. It was cool too, because I mean, as a teacher, as an emerging teacher, you know, shamanism, it's like, I got into the, Australia was my, my first stop on the number one, um, you know, okay. experience mm-hmm. and the shamanism category on Amazon. And I look it up and here's both of my books. Awakening to me was my first book mm-hmm. and inner medicine, both on the shamanism chart at the same time in the really high numbers, like number one, and then whatever that other number was for mm-hmm. the uh, awakening to me. And then all around me are all of my teachers. I kid oh, you not. I screen captured it. I was like, I want to post this on my wall. Like all of my teachers that helped me to gain the wisdom inside my own body. Here yes. they all are like kind of sandwiching me in love, you know, on the, yes. on the chart. Oh, that's super sweet. Yes. So tell us about inner, inner medicine. Like what do you, what do you mean by the term? Walk us through some of what it means for people and how they could use it to help transform their lives. Well, I love it because Dr. Liz, you do inner medicine with people. Like you help people access their inner medicine because when you're working as in the psychiatry field or the psychology field, or you've been subject to it, and the way it's been up till now designed, it's kind of like there's this idea that there's the expert and then there's you as the person mm-hmm. on the couch. Yeah. And that the expert knows more about your life than you know about your life. Mm-hmm. And that the expert can decide like, you know, put you in a category or a label or a box and kind of like decide this is who you are. And that doesn't work for me. It worked, you know, I tried that for 20 years and that really left me really limited and um, kind of feeling like 
powerless and helpless to do anything about my situation. Mm -hmm. And I found myself slipping into this place that I don't normally go into of like, well, I guess if this is my diagnosis, I can't do anything about it. I'm, you know, it's not my fault. I'm acting out. It's not my fault. I'm doing these things. Mm -hmm. So I can't really help it. So I'll just keep doing those things because it's not really my fault anyway. And I, you know, I got in this place of like, well, that's just a lie, you know, Absolutely, like, that is. is a lie. Yeah. Why am I telling myself this? And then the medications don't work, right? I was actually just um, referred to this um, book recently because of um, some other situations going on in my life. And it's like, I think more and more doctors are coming to this conclusion that, you know, it's not the medications only work for a short time. They don't work forever. Mm-hmm. And so you have to start asking, like, why is that? Why don't the medications work? And the book that I was referred to was Brain Energy by Christopher M. Palmer, MD. Okay, MD. This is a doctor. This is a psychiatrist. And he's saying in this book that he was helping all of these people to, you know, the same way that I just described, right, as the expert and diagnosing them and giving them a pill and all this kind of and telling them it's going to work, you know, this medication is going to work. And then it doesn't work. And he tell he says so in the in this book. Yeah. He's like it doesn't work. So well, I was in that camp for a long time, very anti medication. But then um, my daughter had to go on. I, she didn't have to. She's severely depressed, suicidal. I kept trying to help her different ways, and then finally I, I said, "Okay, I'm going to try them. If they don't work, they don't work. We'll go on with our life." And I'll say I tried everything really. But they did end up making a huge impact on her. They really did. And they they really helped her in a way that psychotherapy didn't. Um, parental support, you know, like friends, everything else that I was really trying for her. So I, I think it does depend on the person. But I am very familiar with that literature. And I think it's, um, it, they're very overprescribed. People are not really looking into what are they doing to the body? What are they doing to the spirit? There's Johan Hari who wrote an excellent book about this as well, how he was putting on on um, antidepressants or anti-anxiety as a, a teenager and how they stopped working. And then you, I call it the medication carousel. People jump on that medication carousel and they try to like change it and find another one and find another one. This one's not working anymore. And some of them have like really awful side effects, you know, like worse than what you're dealing with. I mean, it's pretty bad. I think there are books coming out these days that are questioning, why are we doing this? And they don't know really why they work. Like they really don't from a physiological perspective. I imagine that's probably what the MD is writing about in that book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that's what he's talking about is that there's um, what he discovered through his and he you can check out the book to see what he discovered, but it's in line with what I personally experienced is that he is saying it's metabolism and it's the mitochondria. So when we shift the metabolism and we, when we heal the mitochondria in the cells and the brain starts to um, have energy. And when the brain has energy, a whole lot of symptoms clear up that, you know, I mean, we know we have this sad American diet, you know, we, we, we yeah. know we have that diet. Mm-hmm. And we know also that we're not spending enough time in nature. We're not spending enough yes. time outside. Yes. And we're also not spending enough time in soul exploration, like in self inquiry in the inner. So that's why my book is inner medicine, because just like you said, I got it. Okay. Yeah, and Johan Hari makes very similar points about happiness, about being able to actually even move locations, change your job. Right, exactly. Leave the job. Leave the job. You know, move to a location that feels better to you, that somehow you connect with spiritually. You don't even understand. I love what you said too about the medications because. I also have a similar situation with my son and I did made the same choice. I was like, listen, we haven't tried this. 
I, I'm super anti-medication, but if that's what's going to help, mm-hmm. let's, we have to at least try it and see, right? We have to at least try and see if that's going to work. So I agree. I'm in yeah. that camp too. Mm-hmm. Of like, try everything. But see, that's still the same message of inner medicine. Yes. Try everything. Don't believe the external experts. Yes. Yeah. Like, you have to follow what's right inside of you. You've got yeah. to try everything that's being presented to you personally on your own thumbprint journey of life in order to figure out, like, what is my path? Because there isn't one path that's going to work for everybody. There is no one medicine that's going to work for everybody. There's no one approach that's going to work for everybody. And even if it works for a while, like then you're on to the next lesson, right? So that's why it's inner medicine too, because we talk about the great spiral. So it's not a destination. This is another change Mm -hmm. in ideas from our Western model to like um, the indigenous model is that in the Western model, we think, well, if I just do this, this and follow the steps that, that the external medicine tells me to follow, I'll be better and then I'll be happy and then I won't be upset anymore and everything will work. And then it works for a little while. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it is oh, it's such a false promise like life is hard and and sometimes I will have people come in that say I expected life to be much easier than this and it's like you have been sold a really bad promise you work hard you buy your little house and you know you buy all this stuff you want and suddenly you're supposed to be happy like one that's not the path to happiness but two happiness is fleeting like, yeah, life is hard. How about we work for something like contentment or a sense of inner authenticity or um, moments of happiness, right? Because the moments will happen during the day. I can't, I can't tell you like 100% day that was 100% happy. Like, no, we, we're human beings. We feel all kinds of feelings and we have all kinds of ways to and get And we there. can learn. We can learn to see the beauty in all of life that's showing up, even the devastating things, right? Like even yes. when my dad passed, my dad passing mm-hmm. in 2017 was heartbreaking. It was it was devastating to my family system. It was devastating to the relationship with my mom because my dad was always the buffer. Like it was so hard mm-hmm. when my dad died, right? And I still had this, because I'm psychic, I had this ability to connect with my dad, right? So I knew he was still around, but it's like not having his physical presence and not having him there to kind of interrupt arguments and fix things, right? Meant that what? Mm -hmm. Meant that we had to become responsible for the family dynamics. Like each one of us that had been relying on him to heal everything had to step into our power and actually make those choices ourselves, right? And so my dad leaving was the biggest blessing for me and my mom because if he hadn't have left, my mom and I would have never worked out our stuff we would have kept letting him be the buffer. Mm. And now we're enjoying this amazing relationship. It's like so beautiful. I've never had this relationship with my mom before ever. So it's like so great. And I love my dad and I wish he was here and I know why he had to leave. So it's like, we can, we can really, when we flip these lenses and we go into this different way of seeing the world, we can see that it's all here for us. Yes. Everything that's happening. And we're not going to stay in permanent happy zone. Like Western people just want to stay in permanent happy, permanent yeah. prosperity, permanent, like permanent smile fixed on your face. Yeah. And that is not true. And when we're like that, and then life is trying to send us things to knock us out of that false illusion, like COVID. Mm-hmm like Mm -hmm. devastation, like loss, Mm -hmm. like anything that would get you to crack open to feel the rest of the human experience. (laughs) Yes, right. Yeah, You know, and that's what I think inner medicine is also about is really flipping that perspective and learning how to navigate inside for answers too, instead of outside. Like how many people put their authority outside of themselves, Dr. Liz, you know? Let me address that from my perspective a little bit, because I totally resonate with yours. I do. Of, But sometimes people put me into that box. And some of that is the system we're in. I don't take insurance because insurance requires that you have a diagnosis to be reimbursed. People still want that sometimes though, if they want to get um, out of network reimbursement or something like that. But it, it starts sort of at this like fundamental level of our 
business system, let's say in this country, not so much in other countries, but definitely in the US, there's that like, oh, you have to be diagnosed so that we will pay for your such and such, you know, and all of this stuff. And so it's like, as a professional, um, you're trained in that when you go through school for, I mean, for me, PhD in clinical psychology in the nineties. So I was definitely trained in diagnosis and diagnosis as informative of how you're going to treat because then treatment's based on research, let's say. All right. So here we are flash forward 30 years later, and I'm in a very different spiritual place myself. And sometimes the the way I see a diagnosis is sometimes people do want it. it. It's not necessary at all to help somebody access their inner wisdom. And the more hypnosis I do, it is irrelevant often. And at the same time, it can be informative in terms of someone being able to take that and use it to empower themselves. So I know in your book, you talk about being diagnosed as a borderline personality disorder, and I'm actually a specialist in that area. But what I say to people is you can recover, you can learn skills to where you don't meet this criteria at all, and or you access the really positive parts of your personality that others are defining as negative. So that part of you that is passionate, that part of you that does care deeply, like those are such wonderful, beautiful parts. So how about we look at it that way instead of, oh, this is something you are, you can't change, you're helpless to change it. This is you forever. And like you said, then it can become an excuse for behavior versus like, oh, wait a minute, let me step back here, pause. What is the choice I want to make? So really an empowering sense versus putting you in a box and keeping you down kind of sense. That's how I see it these days. Yeah, I love that you're saying that. I love that you're saying that, Dr. Liz, because one of the things that really healed me when I left, when I just kind of walked away from the whole psychotherapy model and I, mm-hmm. I started just going, okay, life, what do you have for me? What other way? You know, there's got to be some other solution for yeah. me. And I ended up in energy medicine. And when I went to the Four Winds with Alberto Vialdo and I studied energy medicine, one of the major things that he does is he says right up front, your diagnosis is BS. He's like, that's not true. He said, so you need, it's like a curse. In a way, it's a curse. Okay. So like in shamanic terms. I completely agree. It is often a It's curse. a curse yes. because, okay, uh-huh. let's explore what a curse is for everybody who's like, what does that mean? It means that you're, you're predicting an, a future outcome for someone and a present outcome from somebody using um, a term that, that is predefined and it has certain qualities to it. And you're placing them in that box. And it's like a little cage that you put people when they're, that, that they don't know how to get themselves out of that. And they believe you, they take it on as their identity. Yes. And yeah. so when you take on something as your identity, you think you can't get rid of it. You think you can't change it. And you, and this is one of those, mm-hmm. um, those labels, like the borderline personality one, where it's like, you're broken. Yeah. Like you are broken. And not only that, but you ruin relationships mm-hmm. You are terrible to be around. Everybody has a hard time being around you. You know, it's like one of those where it's like you're ostracized. And so Mm -hmm. it's like really hard to be labeled that. And I see people in Facebook groups and I've tried to inject light into those Facebook groups, but they don't, they will not receive any light on it because they feel that broken. Like if you go into any one of these BPD groups, they'll just say, I'm broken. I can't fix myself. I'm terrible. I, I guess you know, and then I'm just punished and I'm a victim. Like they'll flip around like all over the place mm-hmm. in victim consciousness and they don't want to know that they could be empowered. So the thing that I went through with Alberto is he said, look, you have your book of fate that was handed to you. Mm-hmm. You can close that book and open the book of destiny and you can write the pages of your destiny and you have the power to do that. Yes, absolutely. That changed everything for me. Because I went, okay, so what do I have to do in order to write my book of destiny? I have to be willing to lose my identity. And at that point, I was willing to commit suicide. So I felt so low about myself that I was willing to commit suicide Mm -hmm. and leave my children motherless, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I had to ask myself, well, if I'm willing to do that, what if I stay in the body, but I die to myself? I die to the identity I've constructed over my lifetime. Mm. 
And what if I'm able to transform myself by letting go of what I think I am and who I think I am and what I think I know in order to become something greater Mm -hmm. that my soul knows I am? That became my book of destiny, Dr. Liz. And look, here I am. I'm proof, you guys. Like, please, like, if I can do this, you can too. If you read my first book, Awakening to Me, you'll feel the vibration. You'll hear the way I was thinking about myself. I was very vulnerable, transparent in that book, talking about how I thought and felt about myself. Mm-hmm. And now flash forward, inner medicine, you will see the difference. It is transformation. Transformation is real. It works and you can do it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. While you're talking, I'm thinking about the core healing technique I do that we've talked about before, where we go back and we look at beliefs that developed often in early childhood, but sometimes that's adolescence or early adulthood. But it's like when someone gives you that diagnosis, a person of authority, sometimes you develop a belief around it that I am an I am belief. I am this. This is me. And you do begin to identify with that. And sometimes when I see that in my practice, it's heartbreaking for me because part of my work, I think part of the reason that person shows up for me too, is to say, you are not that identity. You're so much more. You know, let's let's form a new identity for you instead of I am depressed. I always have been. I always will be. Or I am always an anxious person. It's so limiting, really. And often there's an underlying belief that's going on there. And so part of the task is to look at that and see where did it develop and then heal it, heal it in some way so that the person has the opportunity to um, do it a different way, live a different way. So your work is just doing that in a different way than I do it. You know, you're way yeah. more like, yeah, let's go to the mountain and do this versus I'm like, come to my office and do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm out yeah. there, you know, so, and I, I place myself way out there to give plenty of room for everybody else to explore spirituality mm-hmm. because it's been taboo. It's been no, no, mm-hmm. you know, it's been, you know, religion, yeah. our systems, all of our systems have tried to make us afraid of ourselves, of ourselves Agreed. and our planet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're also in Texas. So you're in Austin, which is probably one of the most liberal cities in Texas. It's, still, it's Texas. still Texas. Exactly. <laughs> it's like very, and the reason I say that, because I grew up in it's Texas. Impressive. I grew up outside it's of tell- Dallas. I went to UT Austin for undergrad. But having lived outside of Texas now for most of my life, so let's say the first first 22 years or so we're in Texas, and then I went to graduate school over in Florida and stayed here, it's such a religious state in a way that people don't understand. Everything about this place and the consciousness, just speaking from somebody who's sensitive, aware, open, empathic, connected. And my chart is all about this collective subconscious. Mm -hmm. And so I perceive and feel everything at that, that level. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, this place is so oppressive to people. Like it is really, there's like a cloud of oppression, especially for women Mm -hmm. in this place. So I stay here because I'm a light. I'm a light that's here yeah. to shine yes. and to break up the density and to poke and question at the belief systems and to unravel it and provoke it, mm-hmm. you know, and say, that's not true. That's actually a lie. And, you know, I'm, I'm a stand for truth. I'm mm-hmm. a stand for truth being expressed. Absolutely. Yes. And that's, that's um, hard work. It really is. It is. It causes a lot of stress in my body and I have to relax myself constantly. (laughs) Yes. The last time I was in Texas was like around July 4th, 2018. So it was when I met my husband actually, and he had, he has family in Arkansas and Louisiana and some of my family origin is still in, in the Plano area outside of Dallas. And so we sort of did this family tour. We had just met and he wanted to he wanted me to meet his mom and some people who are important. And I said, well, as long as we're that close, I might as well go visit my family. <laughs> I don't really visit that that much. Um, in fact, I had not been back since 2013 when my mother passed away. So I went back for her service and funeral and had not been back to Texas since then. After that trip, 
I said to him, I never have to go to Texas again. Like that is a release for me. I never have to step foot in that state again. <laughs> like, and who knows? I might, I might choose to. Okay, but there's actually a palpable difference. Like when in the energetics, like when yeah. I drive a lot to Santa Fe because my teachers are out there, and so yeah, I'll drive way. across Texas and mm-hmm. into Santa Fe. And when I cross over into New Mexico, there is a palpable difference in the energetics. I bet it is just like night and day. You know. Yeah. And then yeah. I get aware of like the oppression I live under here constantly. <laughs> yes. It's like, wow, this is strengthening me. But see, again, I look at it like, oh, I'm strengthening my light. I'm strengthening my capacity. You know, the tension of this place and the oppression of this place allows me to strengthen my capacity to deal with untruth and 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 hostility and negative energies and negative projections and all those things that that. get stirred up even in my neighborhood because people are so, you know, very religious. And they used Mm -hmm. to come to my door, you know, and try to convert me. And I, I finally just told the woman, I said, listen, my ancestry is part Cherokee. Mm -hmm. And so we were actually killed um, and -hmm. displaced by Christians and I'm not going to embrace this. And you can stop coming here because it's offensive to me, actually. Good. So she, I guess they put they put me on the list of do not go there. <laughs> you know, don't bother <laughs> this woman anymore. Yes. Yeah. And I think, too, I mean, right now I'm living in Florida, which is like, geez, the whole state is. I don't know what's happening to this day, but it's shifting to, to like craziness. What I define as craziness, like super conservative you know, I mean, Texas, they pretty much you get a birth certificate and a gun. And um, in Florida, it's headed the same way. So it's like, here, here you go. But it's, it's craziness too here. My point in saying that is wherever we are, it seems like we also find our community. That's really important wherever you are. So it's like, yes, I love your frame on it. I am developing strength and perseverance, and I am the light here for people who need you in that community that you're in. And that can be developed anywhere. That It's a perspective. It's an attitude we take. Yeah, and it's a lighthouse. And so you can, so rather than trying to avoid problems, I mean, this is really like the just, the message of inner medicine mm-hmm. is rather than try to avoid your problems or put a Band-Aid on them or just not feel them or not know that they're happening mm-hmm. because you're taking a medication or whatever used to be mine was a bottle of wine, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. rather than distract and avoid it, it's like, be with it, actually embrace that challenge and see what does it have to offer me? What like soul evolution does this challenge have for me as I embrace it and move through it and really adopt this idea of it's for me, by me, by my soul, and through me that it's evolving me, and that is my medicine. And your medicine get, bag gets real big, you know, when yes. you look at life that way. Yes, it's so hard for people. Like they, they consciously say, I don't want to feel this. I don't know how to do this. It feels too overwhelming. Like, what would you say to them in that moment? I know what I say, but I, I really want to hear your, your wisdom well, here. I can understand that feeling sense if you've bottled up your emotions for a really long time mm-hmm. and you've stepped over yourself a whole bunch in your life mm-hmm. and you're at the place where even the tiniest little stupid thing can set you off and you're just so upset about it. That's because you've got a backlog of like a whole lava ocean of anger mm-hmm. and resentment and, and betrayal and all that stuff brewing inside of yes. you. Yes. And if you don't actually release that stuff, you will take it out on somebody that doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you want to be responsible about it and feel your feelings. And, you know, we can learn how to ground to Mother Earth because emotion is energy in motion. Emotion is just energy. It's just energy with different frequencies and different feeling senses in the body. When we ground, we, and this is the main thing I had, <laughs> there were several key lessons at the four winds, but one of the lessons was that I can ground. And when I ground myself, I can channel the energy through me and it doesn't take me out. That was one thing 
that led to that mm-hmm. diagnosis of borderline, right? Is like it's emotion, mm-hmm. but emotion yeah. is actually an evolution in human consciousness right now. So it's not a problem. It's just mm-hmm. new. It's like people are actually exploring emotion now when we've been in reptilian mm-hmm. brain and reactive yes. brain, we're moving into the limbic brain and opening up the limbic brain. And so it's just a mastery of a new skill set for humanity is how to process these emotions. So what you want to do is get really, really grounded because the more grounded you are like a tree, the more roots you have in the, in the earth, the more this energy can just pass through. It's like a house. The house has an electrical system. It mm-hmm. has a grounding wire. Yes. Otherwise the whole house would blow up. So yes. if you're not grounded, your whole house is going to blow up. So you got to get grounded yeah, and then, and then start practicing letting little bits of the emotion flow, mm, start practicing letting it, you know, and, and trust, like it'll pass. It, it's a wave, right? It'll pass. If you let it pass, it'll just pass through you, wash you clear and it'll be gone. It might take an hour. It might take mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. It might take a week. Mm-hmm. It'll pass through you and it'll be gone. And then the next wave of emotion, you can just become like this hollow bone that the emotion just passes through and you can just be even not even taking it personally like it's yours it's not yours it's just it's just emotion passing through that's all it is and then when you get into that place you can just allow it to be exactly what it is and you don't take it personally and don't make it about you it just goes through oh i love it i love it so much that sounds really a beautiful way to frame it for people and for them to experience it as well versus traumatic like that feels beautiful, evolutionary, um, centered. It feels peaceful. I mean, emotions aren't often considered that, right? When someone's going through, let's say, intense emotions, intense fear or sadness or uh, anger. But to see it in that perspective, it takes some of that like oof out of it, like that, I don't know, scariness to it out of it. Maybe that's just my perception here of it, but but no, it's like, but, but it's I actually, prefer to feel. Honestly, I'm not someone who covers a whole lot, so it's actually important to feel it. And you know, here's here's another enlightening thing I realized. I was like, wow, I read that book, Power Versus Force, by David Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And when you look in that book, he shows the matrix of they've muscle tested the matrix of all of the human experiences, the emotions. Mm-hmm. Shame's at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But two stops before you shift over from fear into power, into true power, which is love. Yeah. When you two stops before is anger. Oh, anger is fire. Yeah. yeah. It's firepower. It's purification. Yes. <laughs> you know, and so it purifies you as you allow it to move through you, mm-hmm. it purifies and clears the false because the only reason the anger comes up is because something not true is in your face. Yeah. And inside of you, right? And so yes. the anger arises to redirect you and to help you have energy and momentum to move through the false and motivate yourself and get moving. Yes. And that's yeah, why anger is there. Yes. Yeah. And we have a whole society that says you can't be angry. Yeah. Well, I think it is. <laughs> I, I do see it evolving, though, that now that is more and more okay. I love how you framed how the task now is to learn how to handle emotion because people do complain. Like, I don't know, our generation, we're about this. We are the same age. I don't know when your birthday is, but we're both 53 on this interview. Yeah, we are. We both are. (laughs) And I will hear my generation complain about how emotional like teenagers and, you know, people in their twenties are now. And, um, and it's like, yes, they are to see it as like, oh yes, these kids are feeling now. They are in a way that that kids did not feel in the past. And they have had different um, traumas, like worldwide traumas that probably kids have not had since what, like World War II or something, where the entire world feels like it was affected. Um, and they're feeling their way through that. But it's like they, they don't often have the development yet to be able to really work through that and write through it and learn the skills to do that. I mean, the task I think is that they do learn the skills to do that, but it's not something that's so negative. Like why complain about that? These are. It's actually positive. Yeah. It's helping when you feel your emotions, 
you get into your body more, which is embodiment. Yes. And when you're in your body, your heart can open. And when your heart opens, you start realizing the effects of your words and the effects of your actions. And you let your heart and your body tell you when like something landed the wrong way or, oh my gosh, no, I need to say that a different way. Or Mm -hmm. I don't feel okay with myself that I said it that way. I need to go apologize. Like, and then you, you see less and less of the narcissism trait. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so highlighted right now. Like people are really annoyed by this narcissist empath thing, that conversation, but I don't even like to use labels like that. I use it just to tell people like that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it really is, is the disconnection from heart and and feeling. Mm-hmm. That is what that narcissism is. It's not. It's a really deep wounding inside and an inability to feel. Mm-hmm. And if you can't feel your feelings and you can't actually um, go inside and feel that, then your heart doesn't open and your heart stays closed and you're in yes. defense mechanism because yeah, you don't want to be not, wrong. Correct. And not able to empathize with other people. That's what that is. Yeah. If you, if you can't soften all that and feel your own feelings and feel and hear, heal those core wounds inside, then your heart can't open. And then, yeah, you're closed and you won't like negotiate or feel or want to hear anybody else's perspective because you're in total walled off mode. Like I don't yeah. want, I, I, and I realize that people like that are in so much pain that they cannot feel one more way that they're wrong. Like they just cannot mm-hmm. have one more way they're wrong show up. So rather than be angry with them, which is giving them more reasons to feel bad, it's like, okay, I see that you're not capable right now of facing yourself and your own feelings in your body and the traumas that have caused you to feel that way. And, you know, and so it's like the answer is to soften. The answer is to be more gentle and more understanding and more compassionate as empathic people, like to just soften all the judgment around that and just be like, wow, this person's in a lot of pain Mm -hmm. and they don't want to feel it. They're walling themselves off from themselves. And it's not about me that they're doing that. It's not about me at all. The fact that they won't, Yes. Apologize I, or they won't tell me it's um, not about me. That's the most compassionate take I've ever heard on narcissism. And I've I've heard a lot. <laughs> I am so impressed. Okay. Having had to deal with narcissistic mother myself, narcissistic ex-husband, who even um yeah, it's funny. Yesterday was Mother's Day. Uh yes. Yes, before you know, this is the day after Mother's Day that we're recording this. It'll air later, but we're recording the day after Mother's Day. And my ex-husband sent all these pictures in the group chat and the family chat of my girls, my two girls with him. Okay. <laughs> and I talked to my daughter later. She's off at college and she started laughing. She goes, did you realize like you weren't actually in any of those pictures? It was all with dad. And I said, yeah, I thought maybe I'd just save him for Father's Day, you know, like <laughs> send them back to him like here. And she and I just sort of laughed about it. We thought it was funny. And um, this there was a sense of like, ah, oh, that's just him. Like it's nothing about me, really. That's just him it's trying not to about you. And I think his intention was like, oh, here's pictures of your kids on Mother's Day. I think 10 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. It would have made me so angry. It just would have been like, oh, you know, you're such a dick, really. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? But now with a with a lot of growth and a lot of work around it and more understanding, I think, around narcissism. It's like, ah, yeah, that's just him. Had nothing to really do with me. He wasn't trying to offend me in any way. His intention was actually to give me something on Mother's Day. It was just his delivery that (laughs) fell a little short, you know? But the disconnection, you know, when the heart's closed and you're, you're in kind of defense mode and protection mode, you don't really know how you're landing with somebody else because you've turned off all your sensing filters, right? Like you've gone numb, like you're numb, you're not feeling anything. So you really don't know. And then that's why so many people rely on the brain, right? Mm -hmm. But the brain is, that's where, you know, the egoic self lives and the false personality Mm -hmm. and the false personality can really get you twisted up. And it can yeah. make you do things that you think are right in the moment, but you're, it's really not right. <laughs> you know, your okay, brain so is just lying to you. Yeah. How do people recognize the false personality? 
So the greatest way to recognize a false personality is to start embodiment. And that's why this path is so powerful. When you enter a container where you're practicing the four agreements, for example, which is a Toltec indigenous wisdom. Mm -hmm. When you start practicing the four directions and opening sacred space, when you connect with nature, when you connect with your body, when you feel your feelings, Mm -hmm. that starts to wake up what's true. It starts to wake up. It cleanses and purifies your vessel and you start to wake up to what's true because when your vessel's all clogged up and you're sort of like keeping it that way, you're, you know, you're kind of like, there's no release valve and then no information is getting in or out. So when you unclog the pipes, so to speak, you start to have some spaciousness inside of you. And that spaciousness is your greater intelligence and your greater intelligence starts to inform you like, huh, that doesn't feel right. And your body starts to tell you, huh, I don't think that's true. You'll get a tight throat or your your stomach will get all upset or, you know, some little other clue will happen in your body that tells you something's out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Something's not true. Okay. And that's how you start to unpack this brain. But the first key decision, and this is another really huge gift from my crazy labels that I got from psychotherapy, is that I was like, wait a second. So if my mind is crazy, why would I listen to anything it has to say? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh. What, why, if, 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 you know, and I thought about that quote from Einstein, you know, like this insanity is really about still doing things the same way. Yeah. So you have work. to get yeah. outside the system yes. in order to reprogram it. Yes. My mentor said to me just the other day that often he'll say, you know, the mind tricks us all the time. The mind is not accurate. So it is a process of sometimes tricking the mind back, but I really like yours. (laughs) It's like, okay, let's see what it feels like. Let's see if we can get a sense of what that deeper true self feels like, not necessarily the mind. And and that is often an embodied sense that people end up and you know, doing that all the ways you just cited. Meditation and contemplation then are not so much about like having no thought. Oh yeah, no. It's more about witnessing them. Like Yes, I think that's one of the biggest things meditation. I had someone say it to me literally just last week. Where she's yeah. like, Well, I can't meditate because I can never stop my thoughts. And I was like, Oh my god, it's it's your thoughts are never gonna stop. Never. I have a a very dear friend who goes and does the 10 days of silent meditation, the Vipassana uh, meditation. And people will say, oh, how can you do so much quietness? And she'll say, oh my God, it's so loud the entire time. Like the mind never stops sending you thoughts. The key there is, oh, let's witness. Let's bring our attention back to the breath or where we want it to be. And practicing restraint, mm-hmm. you know, that restraint yes. of like watching yourself go into the story mm-hmm. and then not feeding the story. Yes. And this is also the game of emotions. So it's like the story mm-hmm. will often provoke the emotions that you actually need to feel. Mm-hmm. And so the story can be useful. And this is what I wish all psychotherapists would realize. And I'm, you know, I'm heading out there to share this message. <laughs> yes. Let clients tell the story until the emotion is there and then practice restraint. No more story. Just feel, mm-hmm. feel, no mm-hmm. words, just feel. And the feeling sense of that and moving through that emotion will actually clear the whole story. Yes, because it's just a story. I think you're picturing like really evolved people who can get to the feeling. Sometimes yeah. they can't get to the feeling. It's, and that's because it's of all of the why they're there. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, meditation is exactly like you said. It's like the reason people go to 10-day Vipassana retreats to be quiet is so that they get still. They mm-hmm. don't let themselves distract mm-hmm. from the inner reality. From the inner conversation, they let themselves be still so that they can witness it all. Yes. (laughs) That's what, and there's no distractions from the outside world to take you away from the awareness of it. Right. And when you're doing that, you can actually clear so much stuff just by being still and being with it 
not letting yourself distract or go away from it, but really keeping your focus inside and not on other people. When you come in, it's amazing how much you can shift. And this is, if you can't go on a five-day retreat, you know, try a float for a couple of hours, you know, dark and silent. Yeah. Like just lie in the float, dark and silent, nothing else but you and just be with it. Yeah, you talk about that some in the book, how the floating is really a beautiful part of how you ground, actually, which is ironic. Yeah, you're floating, but <laughs> you're grounding. Really. But salt water is grounding. Process. It is. Salt water is grounding. Yes. And not everybody has a tank by them. You know, you live in a city that I'm assuming Austin has some floating tanks. I mean, I live in a huge area, too, where I could locate some floating tanks or I can literally go to the ocean and float. <laughs> you could literally just go to the ocean and float. Yes. The thing about the ocean is that then there's other distractions there like are. birds yeah. and other things. So sensory deprivation is helpful because, you know, the, and this is what the Jinkies, um, Richard Rudd talks about, and this is also just Buddhist belief, but there's like the senses are the five thieves, you know, and so that takes us out of being in this inner contemplation realm But then that's not where it stops because it's also about being in presence with the senses. Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting to see the Eastern philosophies um, up until now have been one part of the curriculum Mm -hmm. on earth school. But now we're like even branching deeper into this embodiment realm is about like, okay, how do I bring presence even to smelling this rose? How do I bring presence to this conversation? How do I bring presence to my breath and my body? And how do I notice? And that's what shamanism is. Shamanism is mm. in the matter. It's, it's in the matter. Beautiful. So we are coming to the end of our time here. Can you tell people how to find you and how to find your new book? Absolutely. Um, so my book is on Amazon, of course, Inner Medicine, uh, Carrie Hummingbird Sami, uh, S-A-M-I. And my first name is K-E-R-R-I. And the website has everything, my website. So you can go to carriehummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. And if you would like to have the first chapter of Inner Medicine, and I think I also give a grounding meditation um, when you sign up for my email list, you can get that at carriehummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, forward slash inner medicine, all one word. Fantastic. Ooh, a nice meditation too, huh? Yeah, a little grounding meditation. We were just talking about grounding. So yes, yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks for having me back and blessings to everybody. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace. This podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.